Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today is from Philippians, the second chapter. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Dear friends of Christ, have you ever tried to back up a trailer? And if you have, it's your first time, that's quite an experience, isn't it? There's a learning curve. Uh, Because backing up a trailer is counterintuitive. Um, you have to do it backwards. And so you have to think, if you want the trailer to go right, you have to turn left. And if you want the trailer to go left, you have to turn right. And uh, it's counterintuitive against the normal way of thinking. And Christian faith is counterintuitive as well. It goes against our, our normal way of thinking. For example, we're saved by grace, not by law. And that goes against our way of thinking. We're saved by what Christ has done for us instead of what we do for God. And it's counterintuitive. Salvation is counterintuitive. And we're born with this innate understanding, this natural-born understanding that if I'm good to God, God is going to reward me. That if I'm good to God, that, that, that He'll be happy. If you treat, we think God's like a human. If we treat Him right, He'll, uh, if, he'll treat us right. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He teaches us just the opposite. We don't treat God right, but He comes and He saves us anyway. He teaches that Jesus, as Lord and God of the universe, uh, came to earth to remove our every sin, to be our suffering servant. And that we are accepted by God, not on the basis of the things we've done, but on the basis of, of what Christ has done for us. And that's totally counterintuitive to the human way of thinking. All, matter of fact, all the religions of the world, all the religious philosophies of the world fly in the face of that. Um, all religions except for Christianity make sense to the human mind because all the other uh, religions out there say that if you treat their God well, that God will treat you well. So say your daily prayers and you'll be able to see God. He will reward you. And then the Holy Spirit comes and says, no. That, that's wrong. We're saved by Christ alone. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, people thought that he was coming to be crowned a king. But just the opposite happened. He was a counterintuitive king. And because Jesus didn't make sense to them of a type of king that they were expecting, the people changed their praises from that day on that Palm Sunday, from Hosanna, long live the king, to just a few days later, crucify him. He's the world's counterintuitive king. And so our theme, the counterintuitive Christ. You know, this morning I want you to think about another thing that goes against our ordinary way of thinking. Uh, Why was Jesus riding to Jerusalem on a donkey? I mean, kings don't like to do that. They, they just don't ride around on donkeys. And, uh, but, but now I want you to think about how is Jesus going to return to the earth? Do you remember in Revelation what the Bible says? That when Jesus comes again, he's going to be riding on a white horse. 
And he's going to be coming on the clouds of heaven in all, all his glory, with, accompanied by his angelic army. And on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess on earth, in heaven, and under earth that Jesus Christ is the Lord. They'll all say, Jesus is God, Jesus is the Messiah, and we were all wrong, even those who rejected him. However, on Palm Sunday, just the opposite happened. On Palm Sunday, here comes this humble king, and he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and that type of humility takes our breath away. Somebody who is so highly exalted to ride in a donkey. But it takes our breath completely away when we hear what Jesus had to say. He says, and our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Paul, that's what Paul told the church of Philippi. Listen, if God wants to make himself nothing on my account in order to save my soul, that's all fine and good. He can make himself nothing on my account. But when he calls me to make myself nothing to serve him, well, that's not right. That's a bit counterintuitive. Isn't it? And, and, and Paul wasn't done. He also said, do nothing out of selfish ambition, do nothing out of vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And by the way, if you've never tried it, if you want to live a life of, of joy and you want to find a peace inside of you that you've never known before, um, try taking care of the needs of others before yourself. Let that be your heart each day. And you'll know a joy, it's a recipe for happier life, and Jesus knows that. Which is, of course, why Jesus gave himself on the cross and, and why Jesus asks us to give of ourselves to each other. Unfortunately, again, it runs counterintuitive to our sin nature. Jesus teaches that joy comes through serving others. But even greater joy comes when we focus our hearts and minds on Christ. And what he's done for us. You know, this is not just a man riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. So much more. Paul said Jesus was in the form of God. Jesus in the form of God. As God, he was able to perform miracles. As God, he was able to look into the hearts of the people that he taught and know what was going on inside. As God, he existed from all eternity. And as God, he didn't have to think about grasping equality with God, something that he needed to do. He already had equality with God. And now humbly he's laying all of that aside so that he can be crucified. He's already God. And we think of the prophecy of Jesus' birth, Isaiah 9.6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. And we think about the Mighty God. The Mighty God rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. <laughs> Counterintuitive. And yet you believe that with all your hearts. 
you believe, you're convinced in what you see, that this one who enters into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is a miracle of God's grace that defines you as a Christian. And you look at Jesus with the eyes of faith that the Holy Spirit has given you to be able to see who He is, and you see Him making Himself nothing. You see Him taking on the form of a servant. And you see Him ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And then you watch His enemies place a fake crown of thorns upon His brow. And then you witness His brutal beating. And you grimace as this proud God of the universe rise in pain as they drive nails into His hands and drive nails into His feet and then lift Him high on the cross to die. The hand of God. The hands of God Almighty that created, that created the universe now nailed to a cross. The hands of God that were mighty to create, are now mighty to save. And in order to save us, Jesus had to empty himself. He had to become fully human. He had to make himself vulnerable, and it's counterintuitive. How does Almighty God make himself vulnerable? The King of the universe plays himself on the throne of a cross. Who could possibly imagine such a thing? And yet it happened. It really happened. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And our text says, taking on the very nature of a servant, he made, yeah, being made in human likeness, he took the form of a servant. See your majestic King. See the God of the universe. See him riding on a donkey. Counterintuitive. The whole city of Jerusalem is buzzing with excitement as the people sang, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king. And there was a visitor in Jerusalem who uh, had just been walking into Jerusalem that day, didn't know what was going on. He saw all the buzz. He heard all the things happening. What's the buzz all about, he wondered. So he asked a person, you know, what's going on? Is Jerusalem like this all the time? Or is something special happening that I need to know about? And the person said, oh, did you not hear? The king is coming. And the visitor thought, well, that's pretty Pretty cool. I've never seen a king before. That'd be kind of fun. So he, he worked his way through the crowd, pushing and pulling, till finally he gets to the open road. And then he waited to see the king. He heard, he heard the crowd. He heard the noise, the excitement. He knew something was coming. And so looking down the street, he looked down and he saw a man riding on a donkey coming around the corner. The visitor was annoyed, and so he yelled, and he said, Hey, you and the donkey! Get out of the way! Get out of the way! You see, the man had expected a king to be accompanied by horses and chariots and silver and gold, and, and Jesus is counterintuitive. A visitor did not expect to see the king of the universe humble riding on a donkey. Hey, you and the donkey, get out of the way. Hey, you and the donkey, get out of the way. That, 
the visitor could not take Jesus' claim seriously. The king of the universe riding on a donkey. Really? And people today don't take Jesus' claim seriously either. That's a problem, common problem for the world. People don't understand a king who sacrifices himself. It's counterintuitive. During this time of COVID-19, we appreciate our medical staff. Uh, our whole medical community have been great. And uh, it's just, we're honored and we were humbled by their acts of service. But in the midst of COVID-19, our respect for them has grown. For the sake of our health, they put themselves at risk. For the sake of our health, they put their families at risk. And indeed, this is a noble act of service. This is a noble sacrifice. But it pales in comparison to the sacrifice that Jesus made to save us. And he not only gave his life and literally died, he bore our sins and went punished in our place. And that makes no sense. It's counterintuitive. Why would the Almighty do that? Why would the Almighty humble himself and become obedient to death, even death on the cross? You know, I'm astounded that such a plan would take place that he would come and he would do all that for, to relieve me of all the debt of my sin. All that I owe God. Consider the enormity of the debt of your sin. All the lies, all the lustful thoughts. The greed, the pride, the anger, the jealousy, the envy, the resentment. The hurtful words that have been spoken, the cold way, the callous way we worship, the lack of desire to hear His Word or even study it. Can it be true that, that He really does forgive all those things that are so deeply embedded into our soul? Can He simply wipe out all that mess? Everything inside of us says, no, that's impossible. There's no way that you can clean up that which is so broken. You can't fix that which is so devastated. But then we learn, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> I wonder, we don't know, but could it be that Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem, had a smile on his face. Fully aware of the rejection and crucifixion that was just around the corner. And it doesn't make sense. Because he knew the crucifixion was coming. He knew the rejection was at hand. He knew his betrayal was near. And he smiles. That doesn't make sense unless... Unless you know that Jesus was focused on the glory that would come. On the glory that would soon be His. And for the sake of the glory, He moved forward. And Jesus saw that glory as He spoke His last words from the cross. 
we're told that Jesus spoke with a loud voice, Father, for into your hands I commend my spirit. And you can almost see a smile on his face. It's over. Words of final triumph. And in Hebrews it says, For the joy that was set before Christ, He endured the cross, despising the shame. And the night before He died, He prayed. He prayed fervently in the Garden of Gethsemane. And now, Father, glorify Me with Your presence. Glorify Me in Your presence with the glory I had with You before the world began. Even dying on the cross, Jesus knew. Even being forsaken by the Heavenly Father, Jesus knew He'd be glorified again. He'd be lifted up. He'd be exalted. He'd be restored to His proper place. And His saving work would be done. So that every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's counterintuitive to think that all those who deny Him, that all the people in the world who hate Jesus, who hate the church, who hate our message, that all those people will one day bow before Him. It's counterintuitive to think that those who hate Christ will worship Him. Even though their destiny, their eternal destiny, will be hell. And separation from the God that they now worship, too late. And even Satan and all his demons will confess that Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. But Jesus is delaying his coming. He's delaying his coming because he wants all who can come to come. All who will know to know. He wants more people to come and know him as Lord and God before the end comes and it's too late. To bow your knee and confess him today. And he gives us his name and he tells us that we are his witnesses. You and, and, and me, we are, we are his witnesses. We're, we're, we have been given the job of promoting this good news to our friends and to our family and, and to Spencer and to the world. This glorious name, it's counterintuitive that he's given the job to sinners like us. Job to you and me. And may, may the name of Jesus be exalted in your life uh, as, as you go through this coming Holy Week with Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. And may the Holy Spirit lead you in a deeper appreciation of Christ's death and, and His resurrection. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.